podcast. Today we have another tier list and the topic is Lothlorien. My name is Charles. With me today are Richard and Ian. Before we get started, just want to shout out everyone who submitted photos for this episode. Please go check out their works and uh, all the Instagram handles will be included on screen and in the video description. All right, let's dive into the army list Lothlorien. Nice. The definitely a top three elf faction. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's up there somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's it's probably one of like it might be the best elf faction to ally. I mean, well, Rivendell is still really good, but just because Galadriel is such a cheap spellcaster and she can lead eighteen elves, it that that's worth a lot. They also have, I think, the easiest way to get Fight 6 Warriors. Uh, I know all three Elven factions have access to them, but I think, yeah, if you want that allied into your army, it might be the easiest to get from Lothlorien. All right, let's get into it. So the first profile, Galadriel. Ian? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is kind of funny, because last edition I actually thought she was kind of overpriced considering all she brought to the table was like on a mobilize but this edition i think i i would actually rate her pretty highly again because of the uh the ally matrix that we mentioned earlier and the fact that she can bring 18 elves into any alliance which is you know if you're going to be allying you don't really need more than 18 right like that's that's plenty enough to get the fight five fight six around your line if you need it and then getting a, a really decent spellcaster with the immobilize like well, immobilize command and blinding light, those are all huge things that that really contribute to to an army. Yeah, she she really is like one of the best spellcasters in the game. One like criticism that I hear quite a bit about her is she's most likely going to be your leader because she's a hero of legend, and then uh, people will say, oh, she's not a fighty hero, so you know if you roll contest of champions, you're kind of screwed. But personally, I think she's a great leader. Like the one in 18 chance that you're going to play Contest of Champions, I don't think breaks her. I mean, she gets re-rollable fate. You know, even at D3, she has heroic defense. So I actually think she's a great leader because she's going to be out of combat most of the time. So, yeah, in most of the scenarios, it's she's actually a net positive being your leader. And with uh, shooting armies being popular at the moment, she's a great way to get blinding light into your list since Curedan was downgraded to a minor hero it's arguably easier to get blinding light with this alliance than with rivendell so where are you guys thinking i think she deserves a legend even though i don't think it's a perfect profile spoilers but i think she's the strongest hero in lothlorien personally come on you can't be spoiling it like that this is the very first profile no one's gonna watch the rest of the video Absolutely not. No spoilers. (laughs) I do think that she is um, super underrated. I'm kind of in between like a Valor and a Legend, but she's definitely up there. I I think I'd put her into the Legend. I think she pips in there for me. Uh, You know, Lothlorien's got to have something. I don't think the rest of the we're going to be so kind to the rest of the profile, so. (laughs) I just wanted to take a second to thank all our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you guys want extra content, you can check out the Patreon link in the description below. Now, back to the video. All right. Next, 
we have her husband, Kelleborn. The stay-at-home dad? <laughs> okay, well, you, we've done an episode, like a standalone episode on this guy before. He's fine. He's, you know, he's a, he's like a basic big elven lord. As much as we still trash talk him, he's still got the fight six, the three attacks, and the Lord of the West, right? Like, he can still do work. It's just the lack of any kind of plus one to wound or a mounted option hinders him. That being said, he still does bring some nice abilities to the table. Like, he's got very limited magic because he only has three will. But all of his, the spells that he has are useful. He's got good heroic actions. You know, he's got strike defense. I mean, channeling, you're not going to use that that much. But the other two are good. And he's got a 12-inch standfast. So he, he has a lot of useful things. It's just he doesn't bring that hitting power to the table. And usually when you're playing Elven factions, your hitting power comes from your big heroes. And he just doesn't do that. To be fair, he is probably the biggest Lothlorien hitter. So, you know, if you're playing pure Lothlorien, you don't really have access to the other big mounted Elven Lords. I will say I'm quite surprised at how good of a caster he is. Like, yeah, he has three spells only, but they're all either on a two plus or a three plus. And I think Aura of Command is like super underrated because it allows you to ally with low courage factions, you know. It's a really good synergy with Arnor, for instance. Yeah, I've been playing around with lists at around 600 points with him, with allying him into Arnor instead of trying to get uh, Kyrdan in there, because that was what he used to be able to do. Um, it is solid, you know. He's priced in a way where I think if you had a horse option, he'd be up there with the other mounted elf lords like in the same tier. But I think because he doesn't have that option, he is overpriced. And also... This part of his profile that hasn't been mentioned is being able to upgrade warriors into Galadrim Guard for one point. Like, it's kind of redundant if you're going to cast Aura of Command. So I don't see that used ever. But, you know, he, he does bring a lot of tools and utility to any Lothlorien army. I'm thinking he's a fortitude. I can see you building a list around him. And on a good day, he could deal a lot of damage. He can kill the enemy leader. He could do quite a bit, but I don't think that will happen every game. Yeah. You know, he'll still perform for you as long as you're not going up against dwarves. If you're going up against dwarves and he's wounding on sixes, he's, yeah, he's going to struggle a bit. I, I think a fortitude is is fine for him. If, if like Charles was saying, if he, if he was, you know, if he had access to the horse or if he was, you know, 10 to 20 points cheaper, he'd probably, he would, he would be higher for me. But yeah, for fortitude is probably a good spot for him. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay, so let's jump into uh, Rumil's profile. He's the brother that doesn't have heroic strike. He has heroic defense, but then he can force enemy models to re-roll d6 for the dual roll. Honestly, I I don't think he needs heroic strike. Like having the the defense is is good enough, and he's base defense seven anyway. So a lot of heroes still need sixes to wound them. And that reroll in the fight is really, really useful. Honestly, <laughs> last edition, you know, he was kind of a little broken. I really like the way he's balanced right now. I actually, I think he's 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 written quite well, and I, I would I would rank him fairly highly, probably in a in a in a valor. The biggest, like the worst thing about him is that he's only hero fortitude, so he would make a good ally into a lot of other lists but you can't really slot him into other lists very easily. Mm -hmm. I think I would agree with you 
before Haldir was bumped into a Valor because I saw them as pretty much equal in terms of value. But now that Haldir can lead 15 and he's your first pick when you want to ally most of the time, I don't see Rumil come up as often. He's usually going to be at best your third pick in your army. He's still sort of like a might battery. He brings three might, so that that's good. But your opponent isn't always going to have a big target for you to th- throw Rumil at in heroic defense. That's great when they have a huge hero, when they have a big monster. But that isn't going to be every game. Not every opponent has that. And so I feel like you can't get the most out of him in every situation. I'd put him in fortitude as well. But Richard, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I really like his special rule. I like the... Um... Just being able to clog up enemy heroes, like with his special rule, like and heroic defense, he's probably like up there in one of the best at doing that. I don't know. It, this is tough. We definitely put Haldir above him, but I think I am like bordering that fortitude and valor. I feel like I'm a Ian today. I can't decide on where to put these heroes, but. Uh, well, so the way I see it, like I, I agree. I think I think if you're gonna do an allied faction, you, you'd probably grab like Galadriel Caliborn or Haldir. But then if you're going to grab a secondary here to that, I think he slots quite nicely into that position. If you're building a pure Lothlorien list, then it becomes more tricky, I think, because you're trying to slot in enough I mean, like, I mean, like the march and stuff as well. So Technically, at like low points, you could do like a Haldir Rumel kind of spam out elves kind of list, which wouldn't be terrible. But yeah, I think I, think I might have to lean towards charles here because just because i think he does have potential but when you're really like writing competitive lists i think he does get kind of eked out and you don't see him as often so i i would put him like top of fortitude that's fair okay next we have rumil's brother haldir exploding haldir that's a local nickname do it because of his uh, one final blow special rule where he can deal damage to uh, all around him as he dies. Yeah, he's he's got some fun special rules. Like, they're not amazing, but they are kind of fun. And then, you know, the expert shot being able to fire his bow two times a turn, that's, that's pretty handy. Mm-hmm. He's not really paying for that either if you compare him to a, a normal uh, captain. Does he pay for the expert shot? Or no, I guess he doesn't. Yeah. Especially if you factor in now that he can lead 15 in his warband. Yeah. yeah. He's he's just definitely, like, good value all around. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that Valor thing is huge. Because if you don't want to play pure Lothlorien, and you want to just take a contingent of, like, fight 5 or fight 6, he's the go-to, right? Because, you know, maybe Gladrio or Caliborn's a little bit too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, and his allies to the end special rule is kind of... Uh, really corner case rule but in defenders of helms deep it comes up quite a bit you're always going to be having one of those two heroes in in the list or if not both so and it's nice that he has strike so he kind of he just brings a lot of utility to a to any kind of list like he brings three might he brings an extra strike the base fight six is good and then the expert shot you know again two strike three shots hitting on threes with three points of might behind it very powerful so i think he's at least a valor here 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's kind of weird because like I'm almost tempted to put him in Legend because he's Lothlorien, but I know like if he was in like Rivendell, then like he's definitely not a Legend. Yeah, although I think he would be pretty popular in Rivendell as well because Rivendell's lacking in those might batteries, right? So he he brings a decent amount of might for what he costs. I think you'll always want to take the heavy armor, but you know he can be as cheap as 70 points. So I think, yeah, I think Valor's in my opinion, but I wouldn't complain if he was a little higher either. Yeah, I, I think he's he's earned that upgrade uh, given to him in the FAQ. Okay, and then the final brother, the newest addition to the game in Lothlorien, Orifin. Nice. <laughs> when the profile came out, you know, I I kind of just glanced over it because Defense of the North is full of three attack foot heroes, and he just seems like another one. He has the three attacks. He doesn't have the strike, so now you, you have to choose between Haldir or Orphan as like your secondary combat hero. I think he's he's all right. I don't know in what sort of situation I would take him over Haldir. I think I would still take Haldir first. It's always going to be a contest, right? Because between the three brothers, and I think he he generally comes out worse compared to the other two in in most situations when you're list building. That being said, three attacks at fight six is quite reliable. He's fine for his cost. I wish he could. He had a little bit more to make his his damage output a little bit higher because his special rule is okay. You know, if he's rolling three dice and re-rolling one with a banner, I think the odds of getting a six are 50%, something like that. He'll have four dice to wound every other turn. That's not bad. He's tied for Toriel, I guess, as the cheapest three-attack elf hero. So I think Haldir is definitely a cut above the other two brothers. So I think it's more of a question between Orphan or Rumil. It kind of comes down to your meta and like what you're expecting. I think Rumil will end up more useful in more games. I still think Orphan is useful, but yeah. Yeah, I think I would agree with that, just from the utility aspect, especially the bigger the game. Like three attack is nice, but you know, it's not you're not adding anything like really special here. There's nothing, nothing special about me. Whereas like, you know, the bigger the heroes get, then the more valuable Rumil gets. So do we even think that he comes below or above Celeborn? I would say below Celeborn, because with the extra attack and, and the extra chance of rolling an extra dice wound, that kind of makes him a consistent troop killer, right? Can you see yourself using him to fight heroes? Because I feel like he's kind of the one that you put him on the flank to fight troops. Yeah, like it seems like he could only probably consistently take on captains. You wouldn't want to put him into a hero that can strike, right? If it's a hero who can't strike he'll be okay because he's you know fight six elven blade he'll he'll win whatever he reasonable chance of winning but like you said he he is limited to only strength four so he wants to be munching troops yeah he's sort of like a, a delgamar from from corsairs that that i've experienced with where uh three attack hero no strike you don't want to put him against a striking hero so he has a limited use in combat yeah so i would put him bottom fortitude in my opinion yeah uh yeah, that's that's probably pretty reasonable. I mean, he basically has the same profile as an elven twin on foot, right? Still a very reasonable profile, but nothing amazing. Now we're on to the 
unnamed heroes. So the first one we have is the Gladrum Captain. The only, I believe, the only mounted option in the list. Yeah, the only mounted hero option. I think that in itself adds a lot um, to give that hitting power. And it probably one of the only options for Heroic March as well. So I think I think he's consistently a good option. Nothing special, I would say, compared to the other two elf captains in the other factions. But within Lothorian, I would say a hero of valor for me. And I'm the best we have. I mean, we were just talking about Orphan, right? And I was hesitating, you know, with Orphan because I'm just comparing him with this profile where they cost about the same after you put them on the horse. And it just, I, I think I would prefer to have a charging mounted hero here. So I think he definitely goes above Orphan. And I think Valor is good. I know some people don't care about having March in their list, but... I th- at least in our meta, I think with so many mobility scenarios, he is a pretty solid pick. I was going to put him in Fortitude. <laughs> Honestly, all all four of these heroes that are in this like 85, 90 point range, they're they're all very similar. It's just what heroics they they bring to the table is really the the, the difference. The heroics and then the, the limited special rules. Okay, if you're running a pure Lothlorien list, then yeah, he's probably up there in Valor if you want the march, if you value the march that highly. If you're going to be doing allying, you're going to grab... Boromir. (laughs) Boromir. Or you're going to pick up, you know, one of the 50 Rohan heroes that can march, because that's the green ally as well. Or even a Rivendell Knight Captain, because you you can ally in a Rivendell Captain, and he's got the lance. Okay. Uh, Ian swayed me a little bit. I would... Still put it above the Fortitude heroes, but maybe at the top of Fortitude. Because the other thing is, he only has the option of an armored horse, and, you know, I don't think the armor is worth it. He doesn't have the best mount. Okay, fair enough. We don't play here, Lothlorien, here. I still think some of those other Fortitude heroes are better than him, but I'm not going to push this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I think it just comes down to, like, whether it's an alliance where you can bring in other stuff. He's probably lower on the fortitude chart. Well, next we have the Wood Elf Captain. This is the unarmored version of him. And the main difference is that he has no armor, has access to throwing daggers and a Wood Elf Spear instead of armored horse and shield. And he's uh, five points cheaper. Well, he's, he's got the Elven Cloak. The other, uh, the other yeah. captain doesn't. Yes. I don't know if you want to have a, a, a captain that can have throwing daggers, then you take him. Otherwise, I, I don't. I don't see a big point. You know, if you are going to take a captain from Lothlorien, like uh, like Richard was saying, you, you you want the mounted one because that has a, like more hitting power when you can need it. I think like in the old edition when um, Lothlorien was played like with a more skirmishing style, like you're playing with like the unarmored elves. I think he would be a good option to like lead those guys. But it almost seems like in this edition, Lothlorien is like, you know, rank and file. Like it plays very, very similar to Rivendell, you know? So I think unfortunately, just due to the play style of the army, he's kind of like lost his place. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a similar with the Wood Elf Warrior that we'll talk about where, because they have to pay for their elven cloaks. He's a little bit redundant um, with 
the armored one being in the list. Yeah, it's just it, you basically only take him if you want to run that specific pajama elf build. In, in which case, you know, having your captain with an elven cloak it, it, it's, might be handier if you want to keep everybody undercover. But yeah, I, I, I don't value him super highly. And I, I don't. I don't know if I've actually seen one play this edition. To be fair. Yeah. I think yeah. minor, right? Because it's. I, I don't think it's unplayable, but it's probably definitely on the lower, lower tiers. Yeah. You can play a skirmishy list, I guess, if you want, and take him. But you're not really saving me <laughs> a lot of points. All right. So our next profile, the Gladrim Stormcaller. So if you guys haven't seen our Worst Heroes Bracket video, there's a reason why this guy made the cut. <laughs> Call wins is still a good spell. <laughs> I'll say that. The biggest problem, I think, with these guys is just he only has three will. And yeah, he has that regenerating thing, so he could get Will back, but it's not that reliable. And when Call Wins is being cast on a 3+, you're only going to get that to go off twice. And realistically, a big enemy hero can resist that, you know? So then you're looking at taking two of them to make get any effect out of it. But then at that point, why don't you just take Galadriel? And even if Call Wins does go off, there's a chance you roll a one or two and the enemies barely push back, right? Yeah, but you can do it in combat to knock enemy heroes over. That's that's kind of the utility I look at rather than pushing. It used to be that when they used to push it back 2d6, it was reliable at flinging things away. Now it's more about you got to be more nuanced about it and try and do it when they're in combat to get them to be knocked down. It doesn't knock them out of combat, right? Only Sorceress Blast does. Yeah, it doesn't knock you out of combat, uh, as far as I know. I don't, I don't think it does. But if it, if the model is in combat and it gets cast on them, they just get knocked prone. And I find with like the introduction of like scenarios like Fog of War and uh, Assassination, like if you decide to take small heroes, like they actually have to like provide a lot more than they used to because they become a liability in those scenarios. So not only are you wasting this like sixty points just for like you guys said, like call wins, which may or may not affect the course of the battle, but you're also, you know, inviting this like really, really vulnerable target. Just the fact that he's a minor hero too, that's that hurts. Because sometimes you can struggle to to get your numbers up, but if you've got a few heroes that can lead twelve, you'll be all right. But the fact that he can only lead six just it, it can make it very hard to slot in. They just took. Well, uh, one too many uh, debuffs since last edition when they were pretty good, and and now it, it, it's very hard to justify. I feel like it it should almost be like maybe like two might four will. I think that could potentially make it viable. I have a small list of things that I think <laughs> would make them more viable, and it's like just pick one or two of those things, and any of them would make it much more usable. So make call wins two d six again, revert it the way it used to be. There's only one model that can do that. Second thing, make their his casting values call wins on a two plus and enchanted blades on a three plus, like it used to be. Again, they they don't need all of these things. All of these things would probably be a bit much, but you know, two of these things would be great. Make him a hero of fortitude, so he can lead twelve guys. Much better. 
what was my other thing? And then I guess, yeah, if you want to mess around and start changing stats, then you could change the stats a little bit. But you don't, I don't think you need to if you're picking from the, the other ones. Oh, yeah. And the last one is reduces points cost, make them 50 points. Any, like, two of those things would make this model so much better. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate, too, because uh, it it's a very fun profile, I think. I think it would be great to like play with and against him. I used to run double storm callers all the time. It was great fun. For everyone. <laughs> great meme. Great memes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to the warrior profiles, we have first the Gladrum Warrior. Somebody took the uh, the high elf profile and, and copy pasted it over here. That's kind of weird. <laughs> So uh, as far as I'm aware, they are identical profiles. Yeah. yeah. yeah I guess you can just argue with the uh, army bonus. You you have potential resistance to magic instead of a slightly better shooting rule. So I think the basic elf profile is pretty efficient, right? If you compare him to like a man in heavy armor, for two more points, he's getting two more fight and two more courage. It's a very well costed profile yeah and uh in this like meta fight four gets less and less valuable every day but fight five is still very good yeah and well they also get the hand and a half elven made weapon which is fantastic we used to have to pay a point for that honestly like i'd struggle not to put them in a legend like they are your basic troop and they are pretty freaking good for their like their points cost Ooh, that's a that's a big one. Because if you go legend, like we're saying, it's one of the best warrior profiles in the game. Yes, kind of. <laughs> uh, I mean, elves kind of are for what like the reasons that Charles just said. But you know, the, then then the precedent is all of the troops have to go up there. So maybe put them in valor. <laughs> yeah, I I think their one downside is uh, they can have trouble killing. I mean, they have the two-handed option and they have they can faint, but I find that, you know, a lot of times you don't want to do that. At least the two-handed part. Like, you, you, you'll you faint in the front and spear support in the back, but still, at strength three, they, they can have trouble killing, and it becomes like a game of sixes. We've said that this is like an overall weakness of the this army, right? It can be hard to find the hitting power. Otherwise, I don't, I don't have any complaints for this profile. Not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. I'll settle with low legend if you guys have no complaints. Okay. Next we have the mounted counterpart, the Gladrum Knight. Finally, as of a month ago for this recording, they have hand and half weapons now. So these guys actually can do a little bit more hitting power. That's nice. Yeah. Just sad they lost their 12-inch uh, move. What are we almost what, three and a half years on? Still not over it? Yeah, me neither. I <laughs> know <laughs> I agree 100. Like I don't know why they got rid of that part of the profile because it made them unique, and that was cool. And then for some reason they're just like, no, you don't get that anymore, and they kept their points the same. It's very weird. Yeah, so I think with this profile, it can be very expensive for what it does because you're paying essentially nine points for the armored horse. That is a lot of points for a model that some scenarios where you, you, it just has one role, you know, capture objectives. And yeah, I think when you compare him to the Rivendell Knight, 
it just seems so much inferior. It's not bad though. I do most of the time end up taking at least one or two. But yeah, it's not it's not like a warrior profile that it's so good that you're going to end up spamming them. It's still a fight five elven blade holding, you know, D D6 cab like it's still a good like bunch of stats to have together. Just just they cost a lot in, you know, a list where everything kind of costs a lot. So it's it's hard to make them work and get and get good value out of them. I I'd, I'd probably put them somewhere in fortitude yeah. they're your cab option they they do it just fine they're not amazing yeah I, I will say that they they do have a place in the list especially when the captain is your only mounted option like you you may want to take some for the knockdowns so that your heroes like Kelleborn to make killing a little easier for them so definitely yeah. not useless but you're paying a premium for them yeah. Or just the you know the counter charge to stop big enemy heroes from getting their charge bonuses. That's that's huge too. So if you're going with a low floor on your list, yeah, I definitely wouldn't leave home without like two to maybe four is like upper end. But you know there there are other options again if, if you're gonna ally. <laughs> Next we have guard of the Gladrum Court. Okay, yeah, these guys are really really solid. Like Charles said. Probably the easiest way to get Fight 6 Warriors. I mean, they're so good that I have seen people just only run them in their list. Like, just spam them out. But I think, like, that's not really a good way to play them. It's it's a weird situation where you have this absolutely amazing profile, but then when you spam it out a whole bunch, it, like the return you get from it isn't that good. They're really good at what they do, but you want to have, you know, your other troops in there for the D6, and then your other troops can faint, right? Because all these guys have is a pike, so they're not going to get any any special strikes besides just they're with the pike. They're also Courage 6. That's fun. <laughs> Another reason why I don't know why you'd buy that upgrade from Celeborn, but still, you know, this, this army is swimming in options for high Courage and Courage, like, negating shenanigans. Yeah, I really like these guys. I think... I agree with what both of you said. It's a great profile. Maybe not one that you'll want to spam because you want those Elven-made weapons. You want to be able to feint and you want the defense six. So I wouldn't say that they do everything. But, you know, fight six gets getting more and more useful and more and more necessary against uh, fight five horde armies. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, these guys are really good before. But their role was you'd ally in a few of them and they'd be good at tying down enemy heroes where your heroes could go kill troops. Now, if you're allying them in, you know, they're they're doing work against, you know, like the guys are saying, against big fight five hordes, you know, like Easterlings. Or if you're going up against the Ornings, you know, they're going to help you fight just against the regular rank and file there. I, I would easily put these guys up in Legend, probably above the Gladroom Warriors. Yeah, and uh, just being able to, like, selectively, like, back up combats where like fight five heroes are charging in i think that's pretty big one of my favorite ways to build them is like a crazy alliance list i know of course with uh fiefdoms that way you can stack um, a fiefdoms pikeman in between them to you know save a little bit on the cost and then they can be on the the second row the second rank to support that and then they can kind of choose the combats that need the fight six 
But yeah, it's uh, I agree with you guys. Really, really fun profile to use. And they even have the shielding special rule without the shield. So even though they're D5, they have a decent amount of survivability. Okay, so the next warrior we have is the Wood Elf Warrior. We, we talked a little bit about this when we went over the Wood Elf Captain, but this profile is currently not seen very much. And I think for a good reason, you know, we, we, we rated two of the Cord Warriors very high and Wood Elf Warriors are kind of just a couple steps down because, you know, you are paying for the Elven Cloak. And I think that's the main reason, honestly, like if they were seven points, you might have a reason to take some you want to hoard out a bit well that that was their biggest strength before was that they were seven points base you could spam them out reasonably i i still think you can uh but it's just like we were talking about earlier the fact that they are a little bit more expensive and the fact that you lost some of the other hero options that made that kind of list work really well it's it's a lot harder to make it work and have it be like very good i still think they are nice troops to like sprinkle into a Lothlorien list if you want a few guys with bows with elven cloaks who can just go back and sit on objectives without being harassed they're great for that if you want a small flanking force or harassing force with this, like some guys with the spears and throwing daggers it's not bad it's not fantastic but you know they, they do still make good skirmishing troops i think they're a bit more viable than the captain counterpart so maybe like the bottom of fortitude yeah. I also just want to say they have some really nice war gear selection. You know, having three plus throwing daggers in your list, great. Paying one point for a spear that can also shield is great. When it says wood elf spear, does that mean is a elf made weapon? It doesn't say elven made. It says wood elf spear, Ian. <laughs> yeah, but right below in the profile, it says what a wood elf spear is. It doesn't say elven made anywhere in there. It's not made by elves. Yeah. Oh, it's a man-made elven wood elf spear. It's the same thing as their bows. They're, they're, it's made by elves, but it's not elven made, you know? Well, well, elven Very made important bow, copyright there. Well, elven made bow doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it was elven made, you know? You don't get any uh, benefits there. What if, what if I had elven made arrows? Can I, can I two-hand with my arrows? Who understands this stuff? It makes no sense. <laughs> and the final profile we have is the Wood Elf Sentinel. I think this one is controversial. I, I find that like half the people like swear by these guys and then half the people think they're absolute garbage. I used to think they were bad. Then I ran two of them at our biggest tournament ever. And now I think they're okay. <laughs> that's a huge upgrade that's a big upgrade honestly i i just don't get why they were basically exactly the same as they were last edition when an elven cloak was valued at five points and that was taken into account with a profile and the elven cloak was a lot better the elven cloak got worse it got downgraded to one point instead of being five and these guys maintained a 25 point cost i still think they're too high for a one wound d3 model they, they still cost too much what they bring to the table is still very valuable and useful, but they can just go down so easily. I think part of it is just like comparing them to the Spectre and the Angmar list. Like 
<laughs> like the value of that is just crazy like worlds apart if this was like a unique profile where like in a world that the angmar specter didn't exist perhaps people would be like oh you know that's some really cool utility but it's just you know so much more expensive and you're essentially doing the same thing i think with a base cost of around the 20-ish points the, the amount you're paying for war gear kind of bordering on what it would cost for a hero so like Rangers of the North, a lot of people think that 10 points for a Ranger's horse is not worth it for a 30-point Ranger, but because it's technically a hero and it's getting up there in points, you know, the, the Gorgir also costs more. That, that's how I justify the five points for the Elven Cloak, even though I don't necessarily agree with it either. But I think the profile, you know, as you guys have pointed out, with its varied opinions, just shows that it can be really swingy. And, like, some games he's going to be like an MVP other games. He's not going to do anything or he's going to just die early on and, you know, be a waste of points. Honestly, I think the worst thing about this profile, and this is going to sound weird, is the fact that it has two attacks and it pays for that. It pays for the second attack. So you want to have it fight because, you know, a two attack profile, like, like troop for elves, that's amazing. But he's getting still D3 with one wound, right? Like you don't, you're paying for something that you in an ideal game you're never going to use you don't want to you don't want to risk him in combat right mm -hmm. so you know if he was one attack but this profile cost 18 points ooh, that would be an interesting conversation that, that would be amazing yeah i think also if it was a good versus evil matchup i think this profile is much better too just because the songs that they can sing which is Two of them, which is, uh, you know, about attacking enemy courage, right? The other reason it's not as good in this list is that these function best as a way to manipulate your opponent so you can exploit weaknesses. That is not Lothlorien's playstyle. Lothlorien doesn't have big heroes where it's like, oh, you can pull out an enemy troop, pro combat off that and kill a hero. Or, like, pull out a hero and just smash that with a big hero. That's, that's not what Lothlorien does. So, in... The context of this list, it just it it doesn't add a ton. Whereas like you can take them in Thranduil's halls. If you have big Thranduil mounted up, he's a huge hero. He can hit really hard with his when he's you know charging uh, on the elk. So it it has more value in that scenario, right? Whereas in this list, it's 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 hard to to find a way to use them to your advantage besides just you know making a banner walk away, which is it's it's helpful, but is is it doing that much for you? I don't know. I guess in an alliance list is where you would see it more. You know, I, I recently ran a list where I allied in Lothlorien and I took a Sentinel and he did lots of work because I had allied in an Eagle as well. Basically, he would pull out targets for Guahir. So, you know, being a convenient, at least a convenient ally with every good list in the game helps with that strategy because it's like it's always in your toolbox if you choose to go with an alliance list, you can always take it from Lothlorien. And you can combine it with Galadriel's Immobilize, which... Can you cast double on them? Or is there like an ordering? I think the Eldamar Madrigal, you can no longer move after it, right? Yeah, it says affected models may move no further that turn. I, I yeah. get your point that like if like an experienced player will usually block their heroes with like a warrior model if they see you have like 
uh, command or something. So you, what you can do is move the warrior model with the Eldemar Madrigal and then do the command spell on the hero. There's some so, combo potential. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny. These guys combo well with this version of Galadriel, but they also kind of combo well with the other version of Galadriel with the minus one courage bubble. <laughs> Because I don't, th- I don't think, is there any other way for the good side to get a negative courage bubble in the game besides Lady uh, of Light? King of the Dead. Ah, King of the Dead. But that's only if he's in a pure faction. Yeah. A very interesting profile. I I don't know. Would you put him around where the Gladrim Knights are? What are you guys thinking? I'm okay with kind of like a middling ranking just because like it's one of the weird profiles where it has like a crazy high ceiling but a crazy like low floor too so it's just weird. It's very inconsistent. I'd I'd maybe put them above the knights because I don't know the knights that it's just like a cavalry you know this is this is definitely something more unique. I can agree with that. So this has been our tier list for Lothlorien. Let us know what other army you would like us to do a tier list on. Thank you all for watching and look forward to the next episode of Into the West podcast.